Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host, Jack Young. And uh, back by popular demand, we have evangelist Tony Saxton here in the office today. And we're going to speak about an exciting topic, and that's about abiding in Christ. And uh, every once in a while in your Christian life, you got to hit the reset button, go back to what it's all about. And abiding in Christ is what it's all about. Wouldn't you say that, Brother Tony? Without a doubt. I think it's the... uh you know, I've I've uh, I've had the pleasure of preaching any opportunity to preaching a lot on abiding in Christ because my heart is so burdened that uh, so many people uh, I would expect unsaved people to really understand not understand what it means to abide, mm-hmm. but it, it it saddens me that so many of God's children don't fully understand what that what the abiding ministry is all about, and it basically. Uh, gives us opportunity to live a Christ-centered life as opposed to a right. self-centered life. And you, and you got saved not to stay out of hell only. You got saved to abide in without, Christ. Without a doubt. I believe without a doubt that uh, one of the reasons why God saved us was the same reason why he created us, so that we could abide in that, in that what I call the ultimate intimate love relationship with him that is clearly defined over in John chapter 17 verses 20 through 26. Amen. Where Christ is talking to his father, high priestly prayer. And what is he praying for? What is Christ's desire? What's he asking the father for? Well, it, you'd have to go right to the beginning of the prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he prays in John chapter 17, uh, basically that he would be able to, the, the Lord would restore him after he went to the cross to, the, to, to, to experience the ultimate intimate love relationship mm-hmm. he had with the Father before taking upon our sin on the yeah. cross. And he prays that in the first five verses. It probably would be really good to go ahead and read those verses. Here's, uh, here we go. 1720, neither pray oh, I... I'm sorry, would you start at verses 1 through 5? Of chapter he, 17. Yeah, as he prays for himself yes. first. To experience the, that relationship. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Amen. So he's making reference to, you know, regaining that ultimate intimate love relationship he had with the Father before taking upon himself our sin, which separated him from the Father. Mm-hmm. So in that portion of Scripture, that part portion of the prayer, which obviously happens to be the Lord's Prayer, amen, right. in Matthew chapter 6, that's, mm-hmm. that's better defined as the disciples' prayer. Right. They yeah. ask the Lord to... The Lord never had to uh, ask, uh, forgive me of my debts, because he had no debts. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Can I use that in my sermons? Amen. <laughs> so Amen. I'll do that. Yeah. And so, in, and then uh, in verses 11 through 19, uh, the Lord, as he speaks for the disciples of his day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Peter. That generation of disciples right there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 his request is that they might be able to experience mm-hmm. that ultimate intimate love relationship 
that the father that he had with the father, amen, before he went to the cross. And then, of course, in verses 20 through 26, he brings us, the disciples of our day, uh, into this request for us to experience this ultimate intimate love relationship, which is really clearly defined in verses 20 through 26. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one, as the Father art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Wow. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, that's, that is uh, what, I, what I like to refer to as the, the essence of Christianity. Amen. And what Christianity is all about. Yes. You know, as you look at verse, I believe it's verse three or four, he said, uh, would you read that again, brother? I don't have the open Bible with me. It says in um, verse number three, and this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen. But listen, I, I'm not the scholar that you are. <laughs> I'm not the theologian that you are. Uh-huh. But even this simple man understands that he's talking more about, more than just a head knowledge of right. knowing, you know, the Father and the Son. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's talking about experiencing uh, God, experiencing Amen. God the Father, the Son. And of course, you, you can't, you can't, minimize or or um, not consider he's also making reference to the third person of the Godhead Amen. and that's the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit and so he's, he's <laughs> emphasizing that ultimate intimate love relationship right there and 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 he says he, he said himself this is what it's all about this Amen. is what eternal life is all about experiencing that ultimate intimate love relationship Amen. that he that he prays about throughout that chapter and specifically as it relates to us verses 20. Through 26. Amen. I preached Sunday night about what made the church at Antioch a great church. Mm-hmm. And Antioch was the second wickedest city right behind Corinth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so Barnabas comes up, and they weren't saved by any apostles or anything. It was uh, scattered disciples from Jerusalem up in that area, and some of them happened to preach to the Greeks. And so these Gentiles, these former pagans, like you know your former ancestors and my former ancestors, these non-Jewish people uh, with such a, a terrible background, and culture, they worshiped a god Daphne there in a so wicked, licentious town. Um, from Acts 11 on through the rest of the book of Acts, the premier missionary church is the church in Antioch. And uh, so what made them a great church? We see right at the foundation when Barnabas, the, the comforter, the son of consolation, comes up there, he exhorts them that they should with one heart cleave to Amen. the Lord. Amen. 
Amen. And so that word cleave, you think of, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and these twain shall be one flesh. So the two becoming one. Oh, it's good stuff. And so Jesus prays that we can become one as a trinity is one, Amen. and we can be a part of that uh, glory. And, um, you know, leaving and cleaving, Barnabas says, that's going to be the key. Now, Paul in Ephesians 5 talks about marriage. So if you're going to preach on marriage, uh, most likely you're going to turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. Back up a minute. Yes. Yeah. Back up. Slow down, slow your roll. Let me let me jump in here for <laughs> yeah, just a absolutely. second, okay? Because yeah. yeah. you, you, you did something. I was here uh, at the uh, fellowship that you had with uh, with which I, the person I believe is one of the greatest missionaries ever. Yeah, and it's Goshan Lao. Amen. Amen. And uh, you you gave an, an excerpt of the message that you had preached that you were going to preach, and yeah. you talked about cleaving. Yeah. And as soon as you said that, I said, you know, he's talking about abiding. Amen. Amen. And because and, I do have a, a a definition of abiding that I kind of prepared here. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to read it. So, so bear with me. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll do the best I can. Yeah. What does it mean to abide in Christ? The word abide, generally speaking, is defined in a variety of different ways. Here are one or two word definitions of the word abide that are at least synonymous or similar to the word abide in alphabetical order. For example, to abide means to accept, believe, Mm -hmm. belong, to cleave, to cling, to be close to, continue, dwell, depend, endure, to fix, to follow, fellowship, live, rest, remain, reside, Surrender, stay, stick, yield, etc., etc., etc. No accident that the, the Lord chose that word. Amen. Mm. Now, in, in reference to the subject of abiding that we're speaking to now, you know, and, and, and in reference to any word that you want to define in Scripture, you need to define it uh, in, in, in reference to the context in which it's written. Amen. And so, in this whole concept of abiding in Christ, you know, we have and to look. Jesus is talking to who? Right, he's, that's what you're saying. The context. Who is he talking to? He's there? talking to his disciples of that particular right. day. This is his farewell address. Not talking unsaved people. No, he's not. And you know, brother, I tell you, as great a doctrine as this is, mm-hmm. uh, as, and I, I believe that so much that I, I kind of look at when I look at it. The first thought that comes to my mind is that this is the ultimate intimate love relationship. Mm-hmm. The the relationship that is experienced by the Godhead. Mm-hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as it's referenced in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. It's no, it's no accident that, well, I, I don't want to go there. I, let me back off on that statement, because anyhow. Hey, how, how long have you been married? You better well, not forget, your wife's no, going to watch, I, I, you're, so you're going to be in trouble if you don't well, you know. If you would ask my wife a, a question, <laughs> she'd say this. She'd say, well, we've been officially married. For 45 years, but I've been with this rascal for 48. Ah, there you <laughs> so go. So before we got saved, I don't mind. I don't mind. 45 years. Before we got saved, we we, we kind of lived together for yeah. a couple of years. And, you know, I, we didn't start off well, but God works all things together for good. Amen. Amen. And I love this woman, man. I tell you what, more you, than you, I ever you, have in my life. Okay, so you love her more now than when you yes, I did. first started abiding with her. Our, our relationship is maturing now. Amen. Amen. And uh, that love is deepened, and and uh, you know you have two lives, 
intertwined. You know, the, uh, Solomon talks about the threefold cord cannot quickly be broken. Amen. There's a threefold cord in marriage. It's, uh, you know, the world will say body, soul, and spirit, but it's actually spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, brother. And so those two are, are coming together in one. And, you know, um, scientists do these brain scans of couples that have been married uh, for a long time, and they give them different uh, things to respond to. And married people, their brains are actually wired the same way. Like the different parts of their brains laid up, uh, light up underneath the scan under the same stimulus, meaning they've been living together for so long that they really, even the way that they think and react to different things is, is becoming one. And, um, and, and so that's supposed to be us in our relationship with Christ. You, you are a scholar. <laughs> you are a theologian. <laughs> you know, I'm going to call you. I'm going to start calling you Dr. Uh, Young. Thanks, I'm going to have to make some kind thanks, of distinction man. because your dad is a doctor. Hey, listen, you, yeah, you start calling me that, man. I'll, uh, I'll give you a love offering or something. <laughs> Dr. Young. <laughs> Dr. Jack Young. Yes. But yeah. anyhow, brother, you know, let me back up just a minute. I, I, I like the way you, you, you know, you, you illustrate that whole perspective and, and tied it to marriage. As a matter of fact, you saw that chart that I put together, mm -hmm. uh, how how uh, a husband and wife can abide in a Christ-centered triangle relationship, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, based on uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, where it talks about two are better than one. And we illustrated that whole relationship with steps and right. increased Christ being at the top of the steps. And so it's the Tony triangle. That's what, it, that's what I saved it as Tony, Tony triangle. Well, you, you gave, I don't want to take you, too much credit for that. You, gonna, gave, you gave me that, and I think that's what it's titled, Tony Triangle. But okay. it's it's the two couples. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you invented it. Everybody else copied you. <laughs> but uh, So Christ is at the center of the triangle, or at the top. Amen. And as the two couples get closer to Christ, they get closer to each other. Exactly. So that's true in a marriage. So I, that's the most important thing. You don't want to be unequally yoked with somebody. You want to have... Uh, Two people who love Christ more than they even love each other. Exactly. And um, so if they're in tune with each other, they're going to be closer to each other. And then that's true of a church family. So if there's a pastor listening, you know, you wonder, what what's the goal for my people? What do I want my people to do? You want them to abide in Christ. Amen. So you should always be contemplating and figuring out different ways to, to help them um, to dwell with Christ not just in their devotions in the morning or not or not just at church on Sunday, but all throughout the week. And if you have a church that abides in Christ, it's going to be like a that same triangle. All those people coming together towards the top, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's that's really the essence of, you know, what the what the Father wants. As a matter of fact, you just reminded me because I, I didn't quite finish the definition. You know, uh, I gave you a bunch of words and everything, but if we if we had time, I'd be able to go back and illustrate how I define the, uh, the 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 abiding relationship from that definition. Those those many words that I gave you, and basically, this is how I see it. And I'd like for you to tell me how you how you define it. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, I define it this way: to continue to remain in close fellowship with the Lord. Amen. Uh, how close? close enough to allow him to live his life through you. Right. You know, that's the abiding relationship. And, and, and until the Lord enables us to bear the only fruit Amen. that his spirit produces, and so, that is the fruit, I, of, fruit of Christ-likeness. Amen. And I, I read a quote today, 
Um, and it says that the Christian life is not a believer living for Christ. The Christian life is Christ living through the believer. That's it. And, uh, and so abiding, I mean, you know, where do you abide? Well, I'm 548 Mark Court Drive. That's where I abide. I mean, so that's my house. That's where I dwell at. And so Christ is to be the, the believer's dwelling place. And so when the Apostle Paul says something like pray without ceasing, um, you know, if I was talking to you on the phone, um, especially if, you know, I think of a, a couple who's in love and, you know, they don't want to hang up and they're going to keep each other on the phone all day. And um, the, the phone's around there. Maybe they're not even saying anything at the moment, mm-hmm. but they can pick back up in that conversation. I really believe that that's what Paul is getting at when he's saying pray without ceasing because I can't talk without stopping. <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not going to pick I'm not on gonna you. I'm not going to say. Left your, you left yourself wide open for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there are certain times where you know, um, but that line of communication with with the Lord is always open. And there's that Christian classic, J. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Um, and I'll save you some reading. Um, the spiritual secret is is that J. Hudson Taylor, the great the father of modern missions who did so much for the Lord struggled and struggled. He was always a very, very hard worker, but he came to a point where he had a rest in the Lord. And there was a poem that he read that really changed his heart and mind. And uh, it it said, um, Christ, Christ something about Christ acknowledged his holiness begun, but Christ counted on is never absent is holiness complete. So if I, if I um, acted like Jesus Christ is in the room with us right now, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm going to live in his presence. Well, that's what God wants. And so I, I think that abiding has to do with continually acknowledging the presence of Christ. You know, you just you open up another train of thought in reference to defining, you know, this abiding relationship. And uh, that's Psalms 91. Amen. He that dwelleth or abides right. in the secret place of the Most, of the high. most high shall abide mm-hmm. under the shadow under the shadow of the Almighty. That yeah. speaks to abiding in the vine, Amen. as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Spurgeon, most of us like Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. This is what he, this is what he said about abiding in Christ. Abiding means yielding ourselves to Him to receive His life and let that life work out its results. In us, we live in him, by him, for him, to him, when we abide in him. Brother, I, without apology, I believe the greatest sin that a Christian can commit is not to abide in Christ. Amen. Because we can do nothing without him. Right. And Christ is more, God is more concerned about our being than he is our doing. We can't be Yeah, like we're Christ. not human doings. We're human beings. Right. And uh, without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Nothing. And, um, and I think, you know, how long have you been in the ministry? Um, let's see. At least 30, 32 years. You pastor for 20, and you've 22. been in evangelism for how long? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. Um, now you have experience. When you first started... Um, was there times where you say that you were more dependent upon the Lord because you were such a newbie and you realized how much you needed the Lord? Well, when I first got saved, I was. When I had that childlike faith, 
Yeah. And then I, you know, then I didn't really need him as much as I <laughs> right. realized. Hey, and so, yeah. And so, you know, when you first get started, you can't wait to build experience. So it's not so hard. But the problem is, um, you know, when you first get started, I, I know you're like this. I think probably every preacher listening would be like this is when you first get started, you're so dependent on the Lord. And so like, man, I need to fast. I need to, you know, I need yes. to pray. Amen. And I think of different, you know, times and, uh, you know, different prayer spots, you know, go to, uh, a, uh, a cemetery is a great spot to go pray. <laughs> so they're always dead, dead quiet there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, different spots and, you know, and you had that romanticism with the Lord, which I really think that that's what the Lord wants. I think that delights him, you know, those secret times with the Lord. It's kind of like newlyweds or something. Psalms 91 again. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you get experience, you, you know, you preach to, you know, a couple hundred times. And I think all these three ring binders over there, are my sermons, I do print out my sermons. Some of these guys just save them on the computer and I say, hey, you're going to be in trouble when, when China uh, <laughs> drops an EMP. So, and you can't uh, open up your computer. Right. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I've got a, probably a few thousand sermons. I imagine it's been, as a pastor, been, I've been preaching for, uh, since I'm 27, I'm 43. I want to hear that one you preached on abiding in Christ, John 15. So pull that, pull that bad boy <laughs> Pull that up. Yeah, I think that was a couple of them. Okay. You know, it's that parable of the vine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now I have experience. So now sometimes I can, man, I, I know, I don't have to worry about that. I've done that, you know, a million times before. And so what the problem is that I will do the Christian life in the flesh. And now that's, the, a, that's a heavy duty confession, but I think that speaks to most uh, Christians. Yeah. All Christians. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. And then, um, then the Lord comes through with the, with the pruning shears, mm. you know, it talks about in the, in the vine. He's faithful. And you say, why is this problem in my life? I could tell you, it's very, very simple. It's because the Lord wants you to abide more in him. Amen. No doubt. And so any the end purpose of anything that happens in our life, Romans 8, 28, we all quote, mm-hmm. all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose, uh, to whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Christ. Ultimate goal. <laughs> and so he's pressing you back into the vine well, don't to st- be conformed to that image. Don't stop there. As you, as you look at that verse you, and, and you, you, you uh, reference the whole concept of how does he conform us. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 18, clarifies that whole thought. Uh, no, he, 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 uh, he conforms us to the image of his son by his spirit day by day through life's experiences. Amen. So the things that go on in our life, you know, they're, they're designed by God, you know, and, and, and at the moment, it's really hard to be thankful for the difficult things in your life. Mm-hmm. However, and the Lord just taught me this a couple years ago, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, Amen. for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning, concerning you. Now, he takes it to another level in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 18. Where he says, uh, giving thanks always. Did you say Ephesians 5.18? Forgiving thanks. For, uh, you interrupted me. I lost my train of thought. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not as smart as you. I yeah, have to g- g- giving, th- giving, giving thanks, thanks for always. All th- always you know. for all things. For all things. Mm-hmm. The only way you can give God thanks for all things 
is you have to be filled with the spirit. Yeah. Knowing that God works all things together for the good. The spirit of faith. Only by the spirit. You can't do that yeah. in the flesh and no. mean it. You right. can't. Yeah. You know, but anyhow, that, uh, you know, Paul, arguably, and I don't think there's much argument to it, greatest Christian ever lived. Right. You know, he didn't define abiding the same way that John did, not in words. But he said this, I'm crucified with oh, Christ. Oh, yeah, that principle's there all throughout. Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Amen. And Christ, who is your glory, is your hope. Um, oh, yeah, and I, I think that that principle is universal throughout the Bible, beginning in Genesis, um, you know, in, in the garden, um, all, all through. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's finishing that whole verse, because it clearly defines this, Total dependence upon the Lord. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, mm-hmm. in this body, I live by the faith, total dependence mm-hmm. of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the exchange yeah. life. Yes. That's a, him allowing Christ to live his life through him. And that's why, you know, he became and, the man and, of God and then, he is. Yeah, and the Apostle Paul, too, he says his mission statements, like, why do you suffer the things that you suffer? That I may know him exactly. and the fellowship of his suffering, be made conformable unto his death. Uh, and so his mission was to know Christ. So ultimately, you know, no one, no one on their deathbed says, man, I wish I would have worked more overtime. Um, it, the most important thing in our life is relationships. Should I be looking at the camera, not you? Nah, <laughs> I, I, I never look at the camera. Um, <laughs> everybody knows what you look like, right? Oh. No, we, it, we appreciate that. We appreciate the, the, you, the YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if you would shave your head, you would, you would, you you'd be you on your way to, to that. A, I don't have that man. good round head. You got a nice round head. Mama must have shaped your head when you I came up. Yeah, must, must be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what, what were we? Oh, yeah. Th- <laughs> thanks. Thanks for all the watch on YouTube. We, uh, <laughs> I think we just passed 10,000 hours uh, watched or something. Okay. And when we started this, I thought, I'm not going to video it. Who wants to watch two guys sitting in an office talking in the microphones? But apparently, people, well, people just told do it, that way. People but tell me that I have a I have a face for radio. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I think you told me that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, but we're, we're talking about this exchange life, mm-hmm. and that's basically. And you oh, oh so the number one thing's relationships in this world. That's right. So at your deathbed, you're going to be thinking about the relationships. When you're looking up at the bright lights, the people who you love are going to be in the room. Uh, but the number one relationship in this world is your relationship with God. That's right. And um, you are here. You know, the big philosophical questions of life. Who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? Mm-hmm. Genesis 1-1 tells you, in the beginning, God. God. You know? Speaks of the Trinity, amen. Abide. And you know, and, and speaking on that, you know, um the ultimate intimate love relationship is epitomized by the Godhead. Mm-hmm. These three are one. They experience this relationship, amen. Mm-hmm. And they want us to experience it. That's where the whole concept of Christianity being the essence of, you know, why we why we are saved to experience that relationship. And, you know, and, and continuing the thought that you had um, about the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. um, in Philippians chapter 3, he said this. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He hadn't arrived. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't basically he wasn't Christ like yet. Right. Amen. Uh, I, I count myself to apprehend it. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, mm-hmm. reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That high calling is Christ likeness. Amen. And Paul knew that. As you, as you look further down in the chapter, he knew that one day he was going to be conformed mm-hmm. to the image of Christ, you know, because God's going to do that, amen? But he said in the meantime, he's going to press towards the mark of Christ's likeness. Mm-hmm. How's he going to do that? Abiding. Yeah. The only way that we can be Christ-like in this life is to yield to his spirit as he produces the fruit of Christ's life in our, in our, in our life. Amen. Amen? Amen. That's the essence of Christianity. Right. I enjoy in, talking in, about in, this. You know, and as we abide with Christ, um, Christ lives through us. Exactly. And that's where the fruit comes from. Exactly, the fruit of the Spirit. And like, you you know, you quoted Galatians 2.20, Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So anything, any good thing that the Apostle Paul did, he says it's an actuality, it's not me, it's Christ living through me, and I'm just a channel of Christ. And, um, you know, and and so you, you learn that in the Christian life, is that Christ is trying to minister to, to the world around you, through you. Exactly. No doubt. You know, and, and the fruit, you know, it, it saddens me. And it also sickens me. And I will look at the camera now. Mm-hmm. That the greatest, one of the greatest doctrines, greatest truths in the word of God is, is so misunderstood by so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those who, Believe in the eternal security of the believer and those who don't. And I've, I've gotten into some real arguments and, 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 and in, in my immaturity. I learned over the years that we ought to do nothing through strife or vainglory, just to, you know, win arguments. I had to learn that. Amen. Yeah. And so I'll, I approach it a lot different, this, the misunderstanding. Not like I'm some kind of expert and I understand it all, you know, but I do understand that in that portion of scripture, you know, it was primarily written. The theme is for fruit bearing, right? And uh, uh, and not to try to determine whether a person's saved or you know uh, that whole perspective. And it was written, as we mentioned before, the audience was the disciples of that day, and it's certainly mentioned for mm-hmm. us as well as we come in later on. But it's how do we bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit for the glory of God? And what is the fruit? I, I believe from a from a, from a biblical perspective. That fruit, the greatest fruit that that we can bear, we can't produce it, is the fruit of the Spirit. Right. The fruit of Christ's life, which is his love. And that only comes comes from a union. Exactly. And it's interesting in Galatians there that there is a work of the flesh. Now, in a work, in an industry, you can have a factory that produces something, um, but a fruit is something that's organic. Here comes the theologian, guys. Listen closely. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, again, it's that cleaving relationship that, that uh, Barnabas talked about when, you know, a, a man and a woman live in an abiding relationship. You know, you, uh, you, the, the meaning of one flesh, become one flesh, becomes a, a, another meaning. You know, when you have, like I do, three kids that look a little bit like you and look a little bit like mama. And grandparents. Right. You know. it, and so... Um, you know, you abide in Christ, and Christ, that union, and you got the Holy Spirit fruit inside you, you know, it's, it's going to be 
it's going to be through the Holy Spirit, that fruit. Let me ask you something. There's a work of the flesh, but there's a fruit of the Spirit. What, who brings God more glory than anything or anyone else? Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when we, we, we speak, when he speaks about bearing much fruit for the glory of God, nothing brings God more glory than for us to be Christ-like, Christ-like. as a result of mm-hmm. abiding in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, Christ, in that portion of Scripture, we, like we read part of John chapter 17, we alluded to John 15, abiding in the vine. But that whole portion of Scripture, John 13 through 17, exactly. Uh, Christ is talking about the Holy Spirit, and he is going to come to you. He's going to come to you by way of the Spirit. Yes. He that is with you, Jesus, is going to be in you by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be inside of you. Uh, greater things shall ye do because I go to the Father. Now, you know, so no, I'm getting excited. Yeah. Don't forgive me. Just so, join me, man. I'm excited. So it's Christ actually doing the greater things, but he's doing them by his spirit through us. So when he was tabernacled, clothed in the flesh, he was contained to one place. But now he's in your flesh. He's in my, he's in that clay vessel. And, you know, he's all over Rochester by, by these clay vessels. S- slow down, Spurgeon. Hang on a second. <laughs> Because I want to illustrate a point in, in, in the middle of what you're saying. Uh, uh, we talked about how the uh, abiding relationship is the ultimate intimate, the, the epitome of all other relationships. And we referenced and we talked about how it's the essence of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you led into this whole concept here. It's also exemplified by Christ in his humanity. Mm-hmm. In John chapter 14, you know, Philip said, show us the Father, Amen. you know, just so it will satisfy us, okay? Yeah. And he said, when you, he said, haven't you, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. You know, don't you, don't you realize that? And then he goes on to explain what, he, what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He said, listen, the words that I say, the things that I do, it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's the Father and it's humanity. My Father worketh hitherto and I work. Exactly. Yes. And then he goes on to say, greater works shall you do. Mm-hmm. Amen. As you abide in, in me, mm-hmm. amen, allow you, as I come back to you in, in the person of the Holy Spirit and, and do your works. Yeah. And yet when I think of that verse, brother, another verse immediately comes to mind. It's Ephesians chapter 520, where he says that uh, uh, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we are able to ask or think according to who? Mm-hmm. The power of the Spirit. Yeah who dwells in your heart to perfect that heart. Yeah. So that's and another series of messages. Ephesians 5.18. Yes. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Controlled by him. And so he's really, he's uh, once again, that's a command to abide, dwell yes. in the Spirit. What's some, you know, people listening, I mean, excited about, you know, indwelling Christ and everything. What are some practical um ways that we abide in Christ. Oh my goodness. Can I illustrate that with a song? Absolutely. Okay. Let me say this as a preemptive song. Uh, I forget the writer's name and you guys can look it up. You know, uh, the, the, the writer of this particular song, um, the, the young man that wrote the song, he wrote it as a poem and he wrote it as a result of uh, having heard a message on, on first Peter chapter one, I believe where it says, be ye holy as I am holy that God commands us. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, how can I do that? And he's a businessman, and so he had a practical mind. And, and so he penned uh, this, this poem, and, uh, and the whole 
the whole perspective was this. To be holy means to be like the Holy One, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And he said, the only way that you can do that is to abide in him. And so the song, obviously, and, and I, I preached this, this song, illustrating verses that coincide with the song, mm -hmm. with uh, Brother Gabriel Gonzalez, uh, his church, a couple weeks ago. And the song goes like this. Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Abide in him always. And feed on his word. Make friends with God's children. Help those who are weak. Forgetting is nothing. His blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret. That secret place. With Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shall be. Thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide. And run not before him, whatever betides. In joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive, beneath his console, console control. Control. I mean, that's being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Thus, led by his Spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shall be fitted for service above. That's how. Wow. That that's, was awesome. Well, that song illustrates how, amen, to abide in him. Four verses you sang from memory. I'm impressed. Well, <laughs> Hey, you're the and you're the singing pastor. What has that done for you around town? My my wife, uh, her home store. She's pharmacist at Walmart, and her home store is Hudson Avenue there in Rochester. And uh, you come up there and sing to the girl she works with, and they say, "Hey, the not sing, just the, the girls. My wife's listening." <laughs> well, there is, she already wants to get out the frying pan. There you go. Yeah, Nat King Cole came in here. <laughs> well, I tell you, when it, I first started singing publicly like that, I was impressed with my voice, you uh -huh. know. And and uh, but then I, I I started to realize after conviction and everything that you know the voice God has given. What what convicted me was uh, Ephesians chapter five, more so now than ever, where he says it. Uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, mm -hmm. making melody in your hearts mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Not to the mirror or, or whatever. And, and so, and then I started realizing that people in, enjoyed the, uh, the baritone enjoyed the voice. And uh, yeah, a couple and of weeks ago, a few, no, about six months ago, I was preaching at uh, um, a church in, in, in Eden, Eden, not Eden, but Elma, New York. Calvary Heights Baptist Church. And mm -hmm. after the service, a lady came up to me and she said, and Yvonne was standing right next to me, my wife. And she said, next time you come here, don't preach, just sing. <laughs> and, I, and I told her, I said, I looked right at her. And I said, listen, woman. <laughs> I said, my singing 
is my preaching. Yeah. And I, I said know. all that to say this. I purposely go and I sing songs, especially now, more about the love of God when I go oh, into yeah. stores. And it just melts it, people. It just and, opens doors yeah, like unbelievable. That, but people ask me, where's your church? I want to come. I said, I should have did this 10, 20 years ago. But anyhow, it's very effective. Mm-hmm. And now I've got grandkids. They sing do, with you. They, they take over. Yeah. They go in the stores. For example, repeat after me. This is one of the songs we sing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, bo- oh, boy. You got this. For God so loved the world. <laughs> go ahead. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. (coughs) Whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believes in him. I'll do it. Whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believes in him. Shall not perish. Shall not perish. But have everlasting life. But have Have everlasting life. life. John 3.16. And then I'll do this. I'll say, okay, audience, repeat after me. For God so loved me, for God so loved me, he gave his only begotten son. So they follow, and they say, wait a minute, that's the gospel. Yeah. And then I start preaching right there in the store. Mm -hmm. So why do I do it? Because it's a tool that God has given me to to bring people to Christ. It just makes people's day. Yeah, it does. Because there's so many, so much sorrow and suffering in the world, and well said. And uh, you know, somebody's lit up with the love of God, and and uh, yeah, that just opens doors. Unbelievable. Well, I tell you, now I've started at at 68. Now I've started producing music, Mm -hmm. and so right now I'm in the middle of doing um, uh, old fashioned hymns. Yeah, old fashioned hymns, and because I know that's going to minister to the brethren a lot, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm doing other songs primarily. Well, yeah, I didn't want to take up much time doing that but you asked me a question i'm really excited about responding to it mm-hmm. but it's with a purpose brother and it's not to elevate tony it's elevate. And, and when when i do for example now when i sing and i sometimes i realize you know i got a really good voice like i did when i sung through the other night mm-hmm. and i, I did uh, be thou my vision yeah and it was getting really good to me <laughs> and the lord spoke to me as i was singing and i wanted to add another verse and the lord told me almost audibly tony don't try to sing that verse and I did anyhow. Remember, you remember how I messed it yeah, up? Yeah, you forgot the words. <laughs> I forgot the words. You thought uh, you would remember all four verses. Like well, five verses. Yeah. Five verses. Yeah. And so anyhow, Lord has ways of humbling us when uh, we get Yeah, you know. absolutely. But yeah. anyhow, that's why I do it. Yeah. Yeah. So practical, uh, abiding in Christ is, um, what, would that lo- what would that look like for the average person again? You take time to be holy. Speak off with the Lord. You got mm-hmm. abide, abide in Him, abide in His Word, mm-hmm. abide in the Spirit, mm-hmm. abide in prayer. Amen. Spend time. Take yeah. time. Take time in those areas of life. That portion, because in that portion of Scripture, um, that uh, Christ he says He's going to abide in them by His words. Exactly. That's our spiritual food. Well, another another one is John fifteen seven. It, he that abideth in me. No, no. That's uh, where He says it. My memory is terrible, brother. Uh, well, and he says that, you know, ask anything in my name, and you shall have it. John chapter and, 15, and, verse And my name means according to my, to my nature. And, uh, and so as we're letting his words abide in us, we can tell what his desires are, and then we can ask him for his desires, which is, is actually, you know, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of uh, your heart. And, and so... For a Christian, the desires of your heart are going to be in, align, in alignment with Christ. Will you get excited Christ. about God? You abide in Him. 
He'll give you his desires. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right. And whatever he designed you for, um, yeah, desires of your heart is, is, uh, is Christ's very best for you. We illustrated that with that song for Goshan. Mm-hmm. And I made this point that because uh, Oshan, Goshan abides in Christ, God gave him his burden mm-hmm. for India. Mm-hmm. Same is true with Nehemiah. You know, what, what motivated, what constrained Nehemiah to pray the way that he did? Because he delighted himself in the Lord. He knew he had an intimate relationship with the Lord. And Lord gave him his burden. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that's what constrained him to be who he was and to do what he did. Amen. It's, it's all God. Yeah. You know, work out your own salvation for it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I'm still trying to remember that John 15, 7. You should have that down. You should, you're younger than me. John 15, 7. I'd have to start from the beginning. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. If you're going to show up. I understand the verses too. Let's see. Uh, if a man if abide you, not in if me. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So uh, right there is is the word of God in prayer. Exactly. And, um, and then also, as we read in John 17, that they may be one. You know, I always say that you're like your Christian life uh, sits on a three-legged stool. First, Bible reading. And I, you know, people ask, what order? And uh, Bible reading comes before prayer because it's important. I don't know how to speak to God until he first speaks to me. Hallelujah. And uh, word of God, prayer, and then being with the brethren. That's the three-legged stool that they may be one. Word of God, prayer, be in church. You know, be around the brethren, be around brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you and I, our spirits are bearing witness with each other. You gonna hit the pause button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, well, let's wrap this up, man. Okay. Have Tony into your church to preach, and uh, he might be preaching up there, and he might have to take a restroom break right in the middle of service, like he did at ours. Don't do that to me. You're going to edit this, right? You are editing this. I, I don't know how to edit. Somebody asked me about editing. I said, I've never edited a podcast in my life. We just go with this, man. And, um, but, uh, yeah, any, any final words? We're, we're, we're 46 minutes in here. Okay. I'll say this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, and that's, this is what I started with. I'm very burdened for myself. I'm burdened for God's children. I'm burdened for the lost because of this verse. Jesus speaking by the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2. He says, and now little children, abide in me, abide in him, that you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his appearing. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. All the signs of the time, I mean, everything is lined up. And his admonition to all of his people, whether it was before or after, you know, the, the, uh, tribu- uh, the tribulation, mm-hmm. he said, uh, and, um, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh. By virtue of this whole concept of abiding in Christ, um, unfortunately, because too few of God's people, there's a remnant, mm-hmm. a small portion of God's people who understand what it means to abide. In him. And basically, and this verse illustrates it over in 
in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into them and have sup or fellowship uh-huh. with them and he with me. Yes. Well, it nev- one of his greatest and, and indictments. And that verse is not talking about salvation. It's talking about talking to Christians primarily. About fellowship, yeah. Exactly. We, we could use it. We could use it to preach salvation, but it's talking about a church where Christ is on the outside knocking, saying, hey, I want fellowship in but, this place. And, and see, and that's, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the mm-hmm. theologian, you're, you're the scholar. <laughs> uh, brother, I think it's greatest, and, and Lord, correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of his greatest, I'll say one of his greatest indictments against the church mm-hmm. is that only a remnant even knows what it means to abide. Consequently, yeah. there's only going to be the remnant that's going to be confident and unashamed when the Lord comes back. Appearing. You know, and Paul was part of that remnant, Mom. you know, because he knew what it meant to live that exchange life, allow Christ to live his life through him. He could say, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Therefore, the Lord... Uh, uh, the righteous judge, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm probably misquoting scripture, so forgive me, but you know that references Second mm-hmm. Timothy chapter chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 8. He said, therefore, the, the, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give, it's going to give him a crown of righteousness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when he comes. Because uh, Paul lived in light of eternity as if Christ could come back at any moment. Amen? Uh, but anyhow, and then he goes on to say, we could also have that, that crown, you and I, if we love his appearing. Yes. As a result of abiding him, Paul was not waiting for the Lord to, to, to come back because he, 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 he wrote about uh, groaning and travailing and pain, you know, mm-hmm. waiting for the redemption of the body. But he was so close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He has set his love upon the Lord. He was, he was looking towards the Lord's face the it, whole time. The, the face. That's the key word, the face, the Lord's faith. Noah, Noah, yeah. Noah found grace in the... Eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Noah's eyes were looking towards the, the Lord's eyes. Promise, the greatest promise, I think, and help again, Mr. Theologian, Mr. Scholar, okay? Um, Psalms 91, because he has set his love upon me, mm-hmm. and I know that's a messianic psalm, mm-hmm. but it relates to us, uh-huh. you know, being in Christ. We're because, in he has, because he set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. He's talking about those who abide under the shadow of his wing. Beloved, listen. If you're not ready for the Lord to come, begin finishing your race well by learning what it means to abide in him mm-hmm. and trust the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. The, the word of God is replete with saints, especially in, in Hebrews chapter 11, who didn't begin the race well. They finished well. Mm-hmm. In, the de- in the definition of faith, really, I mean, it says in Hebrews 11, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I, I, yeah, we could, re- <laughs> that's really out there. I mean, we, we could define it and try to explain it, but it's ultimately this Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, unto Jesus. That, that is faith. 
looking to him. We look to him through his word. We look to him through prayer. Uh, we look to him in fellowship with other believers. Brother Tony has things to teach me about our Lord and uh, that he's experienced with the Lord and the other brothers and sisters in Christ around me do as well. We're looking on to Jesus, abiding in him. You know, in closing, you know, you, you mentioned that we had to go and I, I'm better now. But anyhow, <laughs> you better edit this part. <laughs> anyhow, or find out how. <laughs> okay. But anyhow, brother, um, <laughs> what started me on this journey of abiding was uh, there was a period in my t- life and time in my life where I was struggling with some very emotional issues, mm-hmm. uh, extreme highs and lows, so much so that I was diagnosed as uh, being bipolar. You know, mm-hmm. People classify you, and 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 if a bipolar uh, a, um, disorder is uh, defined by people who have manic highs and manic lows, mm-hmm. well, count me in. Yeah. Okay. And a pastor friend of mine came to me one day as he observed me, good friend of mine, Pastor Rob Catalani, and he told me this. He said, "Brother Saxton, if you don't handle this anxiety." You're going to die. Because mm-hmm. I was in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Stress was literally killing me. Mm-hmm. And he said, you got to learn how to rest in the Lord. And that's when I started this journey of what it means to abide in him. Now, others have told me, you talk too much about abiding. And I'm saying, no. man, the subject is inexhaustible. You can't exhaust it. And, and not only and, that. And really with this bipolar disorder, they would call it, uh, God had used, has used that in your life to prune you. To cause you to abide, you say, "I gotta, do, I gotta do something here." What's the solution? And you, and you found it. Amen, brother. More abiding. Amen. More abiding. And my burden is for all of us to learn how to abide in Him. Amen. God bless you. Hey, thanks for being on. Have Brother Tony into your church to preach. He'd be a blessing. Our folks love him here, and I know he's a blessing wherever he goes. And visit PastorJack.org and sign up for our blog. And uh, I've been doing some writing on First Peter right now. We're preaching through that on Sunday mornings. Interesting stuff in there in First Peter about suffer, suffering. And uh, really through suffering, we get to, we get more of Jesus. Really, we. Amen. God purges us through suffering. We abide more in Christ. Uh, but writing a little bit on that is pastorjack.org. And then I'll send you a book if you can reach out to us at Pastor L, Pastor Thoughts, mail at gmail.com. God bless each and every one. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.